Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I kind of struggle to choose this film because okay. I feel like it's a very white movie, right? First of all, let me just get that out. Let me just say this movie is very, very white. And in Seattle, the whole cast is white. There's a, like the school principal is a black guy who has kind of a funny moment. And then there's a woman in the nursing home, a black woman. But other than that, Lily, Lily white. <laughs> Welcome back to Open Forum. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Legendary underachiever Lloyd Dobler is in love with the classic overachiever Diane Court. Not that Diane would ever notice. She spent hardly any time with her graduating high school class socially, devoting all of her extra time to padding her resume in pursuit of a prestigious fellowship. So when Lloyd calls her up one day and asks her out, she initially rejects him, too busy. But his persistence wins the day, beginning a summer of romance and self-discovery befitting two teenagers. This week's film is Say Anything, and it was chosen by Donnie Walton, author of the novel The Final Revival of Opal and Nev, winner of the Aspen Words Literary Prize. But I chose this movie because, as you said, it came out in 1989. I probably saw it maybe in 1990, mm-hmm. basically when it was on HBO. And yeah. we had like at home the free HBO weekend <laughs> or whatever that yeah. they used to do, right? Because we never had HBO regularly. Yeah. But I watched it at home with my mother. I was about 15 years old in 1990. And I'm realizing now that I am older than my mother was when we watched that movie together. Oh. And every time I see this movie, two things happen. Like first, I remember how swoony it made me feel at age 15. Mm -hmm. And then when I look at it at age 46, I'm like, yeah, this is such a sweet film and such a sweet movie, but I see red flags. (laughs) Like like, like I don't know that Lloyd and Diane are going to last, but wow, this reminds me of what I used to dream about, what I thought like, you know, a teenage boy could be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love that kind of that 15 year old understanding that I have on top of this 46 year old understanding Mm -hmm. that I have of this movie. And I just, it's probably the movie that if I see it on TV, I'll stop and like wherever it is, especially if it's in the party scene, which I think is like my favorite scene from a movie. Okay. I will watch it to the end. 
And I just like know so many lines and, you know, my husband who is also like probably the second biggest black say anything fan that exists <laughs> in the world also loves this film. And we like set up our Wi-Fi networks to be named after like wow. little, little references from the movie. Wow. And we have Lloyd holding the boom box as a figurine. Wow. So it's just a very, you know, I love teen romances. Mm -hmm. And for me, this was a teen romance, but like, a little bit elevated. Okay. You know, there's a little bit more going on, especially with the Diane Court character. And also the Lloyd character is very iconic to me, very iconic feeling in a way. Um, I'm about to teach a class for the first time about larger than life characters and how you mm -hmm. develop them. Mm -hmm. And I've always sort of considered Lloyd Dobler to be a character like that. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I read this great... Um, little essay about characterization and the, the writer and teacher Matthew Salases has a book called Craft in the Real World, mm -hmm. Craft in the Real World, which is really brilliant. But he talks about character really lying in the difference between one person and another, mm -hmm. right? And that's where you get like the essence of the character. And I was thinking about how different Lloyd was at the time from the other teenage mm -hmm. male romantic leads. Mm. Like he's kind of funny looking, he's gangly, he's tall, but most of all, he is incredibly open and vulnerable mm. about his feelings for this girl, his infatuation with this girl who is not only pretty, but brilliant and ambitious and going places. And he admires her and he respects her. Mm -hmm. And yet the way he courts her was a way that was identifiable to me mm -hmm. that I recognized. And so those two things together, like I was just, I was crazy about this movie <laughs> when I first saw it. And for and, until today, I'm crazy about it. Okay. Oh man. So can I admit something to you? Yes. Yes. Like, everyone's seen the image of Lloyd holding the boom box. And so yeah. and this is, this has come up so much with, with, uh, uh, with my guests recently is that I have that image in my head and therefore have felt like, Oh, I've seen say anything. Right. Yeah. But I had. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and it's so much, it's such a different movie from what I was expecting or what, what I like thought of, had in my mind uh and lloyd is that kind of character that you're describing and so different exactly what you're saying from like male romantic leads particularly in teen films yeah. and like i feel like normally there's sort of like some big change that needs to happen to the the young romantic lead male in, in a teen film for him to like embrace love and the idea of love and fall in love and he's got to get over the chasing of the girls or something like that or he's so popular or or he's a just straight up loser who no one likes right. got to grow into something that like understands like the way that women work and all of this that like those are sort of the archetypes and Lloyd he says from the outset, he's like, look, I'm in love basically. And I want to get hurt. <laughs> like yeah. I want to feel what love is with Diane court. Like there's yeah. nothing else in this world. And he also, you know, there's the scene um, where he's been broken up with 
with Diane and he's like, I need to find more male friends and a group of men that he, he like the group of young men that he comes to are all what we would now classify as just like embroiled in their toxic masculinity. Completely right? toxic. I mean, <laughs> let's just say Jeremy Piven is in, in part of like this group of guys yes. that just talk a lot of shit at the gas and sip, right? Yeah. And it's this glimpse of something that as an adult, like I kind of recognize after encountering kind of toxicity in men is this, lashing out this kind of like hurt that they mm. you know put on other people after they've had their heart broken mm. you know mm. and so you get mm. like a glimpse of Lloyd like trying to do yeah. that and it's just not him it's just yeah. not the character this is a character whose best friends are are girls because mm. they're the ones who he can really like talk with you know yeah. and um I, I just found that to be really refreshing in a character in a romantic lead and you think about him in contrast to you mentioned the Jeremy Piven characters there and like all of these guys who are heartbroken there's the one in particular Joe who's (laughs) responsible for Lloyd's best friend Corey's like heartbreak and her suicide attempt and he like is as like he's responsible for it because of his own ways and his deception of Corey and all of this, but still sitting there alone, right? <laughs> like, or without romantic prospect there because of his own actions, but still can't wrap his mind around it, right? Such, I know, such a, such like a loser. <laughs> like it's just such a, a loser. A loser and such presented a... very obviously as such in that scene. Yeah, but Lloyd longs for that love and longs for it. But there is also part of me watching this, and it's not to say like I don't believe in the idea of teenagers being able to feel this depth of love, right? Like we've all been there as teenagers, really believing in what we're feeling. But there was part of me watching it and just like, do they not understand the concept of a summer fling? Like, do they? <laughs> well, and this is like, you know, the boombox scene, right? This is the mm-hmm. iconic moment from the movie, the thing that most people probably like hold closest to their hearts. When I watch that now, I'm like, okay, like you're doing a lot right now. <laughs> like, like, this is like, yeah. you should maybe kind of like leave this girl alone and like try to like heal from your broken heart. Um, but yeah, yeah, I totally, I tell you, yeah. But then I think about it and I'm I'm like, okay, maybe they don't understand the concept of a summer fling, but part of it, it goes back to what Lloyd says in the beginning. He's like, I want to get hurt. Like, or, you know, and that what he's, what he's saying is there's, there's an understanding that like love comes with that other side, right? Like that it can break you, that it's going to, there's an inevitability to it. And he is in he's fully embracing every aspect of it now does he go a little far with like bothering diane when she's she's got her own stuff going on <laughs> like she's she has she's a like, lot going on got a lot like, going on yeah and maybe she doesn't want to be thinking about you but what lloyd is sort of saying is like look i understand and i also want to be a part of that like i want to embrace every bit of you and it's and to be different from like other teen rom-coms in this way that like 
it feels like in, in most of them, there's a sheen that like we're that every, everyone's falling in love with. But Lloyd is saying like, no, I understand that there's not going to be just the pretty parts of this. And I want to be a part of all of it. Absolutely. And I think like to your point, you know, one movie that I often compare this to is another favorite of mine for different reasons, but Pretty in Pink. Have you seen Pretty in Pink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, so you have the Molly Ringwald character and you have the Andrew McCarthy character, you know, she's sort of like, you know, poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks. He's like rich asshole, whatever. And the way that he courts her is so smooth but like in a really unbelievable way like he kind of hacks into the library computer system yeah. and he create he's created some kind of weird chat thing that puts her picture next to his picture and it's just like what is this you know like it's cool when you see it yeah it's cool when you see it but it's like this is not real this is not like with Lloyd he gets up his courage and he just decides he's going to call her. Like he picks up the phone, the same phone my mama had with the push <laughs> buttons, drags it to the bathroom with that long ass tangled cord. <laughs> and he just calls her and asks her out. And like all the gestures are romantic, but small enough to believe that this person could actually exist. And once you believe that this person can exist, you maybe also dream that a young man could be this open mm. and like evolved about the idea that love also includes some amount of, you know, making yourself vulnerable to, to mm. hurt, to yeah. pain. And so that's like really why it, why it, works so much for me yeah and, you have, and then you have diane on the other side of all of this who's going through so much and i think like at the heart of her story is the opening herself up to the idea of trusting in a time when like that is being tested for her right like so she has trusted and believed in her father who's as we see we see in the beginning like the most supportive, like, I'm like, he, the way that he's dealing with her in the beginning of the film, I'm like, I missed out on that. Like, I know, like, who, who had that, you know? <laughs> like, who had that? That's, it's so incredibly loving and supportive. And I think that that's the only person that she seems to have trusted. And then she sort of closed herself off to the rest of the world. She's like going to that big party with Lloyd. Uh, on their first date and like none of her classmates know her like yeah. signing her yearbook like I wish I could have gotten a chance to know you kind of thing and she's opening herself up to the idea that there are other people in the world to trust at the same time realizing that she shouldn't have been trusting her father her father's been lying to her he's been running a scam with this uh you know nursing home that he's yeah and stealing these people's money and not and the the relationship between the two of them is such that like she tells him everything and is believing that he also tells her everything and then there's this lloyd character who's equally sweet and like lovable and like showing all of that interest in her and it, it's kind of like well should i trust you yeah. And he's similarly putting her on a pedestal, which for me, like with my with my old lady glasses, when I watch this movie, I'm like, hmm, maybe this is a red flag. Like maybe yeah. um, 
and and I always, you know, when I was 15, I thought, oh God, a love for the ages. Like mm-hmm. once the seatbelt sign goes off at, um, at the end, which mm-hmm. is like the ending kind of graduate style in yeah. the movie, um, that they'll be happily ever after. Mm-hmm. But with my old lady glasses, I'm like, no, this is actually a summer fling and they're probably breaking up after like a month in yeah. England because yeah. there's another scene where Diane goes back to Lloyd after she's broken up with him and she discovers her daddy's trash, like can't trust him. And she goes to Lloyd in his kickboxing gym where he's, you know, in a fight um, and, and he sees her and then gets knocked out or whatever. And there's a scene where she's like, Basically, I want to get back together. And he asked her this question that kind of haunts me. And he says, mm. you know, are you here because you need somebody? Or are you here because you need me? And she doesn't answer mm. like at first because mm. he just says, I don't care. Like, I'm just happy you're here. Yeah. And then she says, I need you. I need you. But I struggle to believe her in that moment just because you know, it is also such a really vulnerable time for Diane. Like in, yes. in a sense, her whole family life is falling apart mm-hmm. and she hasn't really made a lot of friends. And so she has this young man who is practically like kind of worshiping her in a way and yeah. wants to follow her and, 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 and be there for her. And he's made his whole mission to support her. And it's, of course, it's attractive to her. But once you get to England, what y'all going to talk about? <laughs> like, what? You know? I don't know. Like, I don't know what y'all going to talk about. It's probably going to irritate Diane that, you know, Lloyd doesn't have direction. And when they break up, you know, I worry that Lloyd will be that toxic guy at the gas and sip, like full of resentment and kind of, so that's yeah. kind of like, the thing that like I think about past that seatbelt sign going off at the end like what what becomes of them and I feel like at some point there was talk about a sequel to this movie Mm. which I think is a terrible idea (laughs) like yeah this movie should never have a sequel because it's just about this really beautiful special summer (laughs) you know where these two people you know kind of find each other and and find what they need in each other in, in this very beautiful compressed amount of time and kind of like, you know, let them go off into the sunset, like at the end and and, and let's not return to it because it's then that's when it becomes like not, not believable. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not believable. And I think I worried on both of their ends, right? And and I think it's a lot of what you're saying and like, I don't think that this can hold past them going to England together because you're just talking about like Lloyd is directionless, right? Like he's just sort yeah. of like, I don't know. I don't actually know what I want to do with my life. And what he's then decided, he tells Diane's father is like, I'm going to make my job, but like being with Diane, right? Like that is, that is the summation of his life. Right. And, and it's <laughs> like, if you're Diane's parent, like, w- excuse me, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, yeah. yeah. For him to not think of anything outside of Diane and his relationship to her means that, like, there's going to be something unfulfilled in him. Just absolutely, like, he's just not. There's not going to be, and and also, it's going to wear on her. She's going like, like I think 
part of Diane's issue here is that she is moving from man to man, right? Like it, it is, it's yeah. her father and then a romantic interest, but she's never going to be in a position of one, not being on that pedestal, right? Like yeah. the only treatment that she's, she'll know from anyone is, is to be like the center of their world. And so there's something that's going to warp in her, but like, but not just that, it's that, she doesn't get to stand on her own ever. She doesn't right. get to experience that freedom of, of like discovery outside of the love that these men are like doting on her and like caring for her every everything, right? So it's the father's provided that for some time. Now mm. she's got Lloyd. There's no sense of Diane being able to get a, a moment to figure out who am I actually like my father right. structured my life to all of this time to like reach this goal and now Lloyd is going to step in and provide all of the 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 love that that I've become accustomed to and yet there's no space for Diane right yeah and it's a problem it's a problem yeah. it's a problem great for a summer great for a summer Sure, ideal for sure, a summer sure. wonderful wonderful yeah. but you know it's the england part yeah that it's like yeah i don't know about this I don't, it's it's a lot of expectation on her it's a lot of like being stymied from you know experimenting with who you are like maybe she wants to be a different person than yeah. like the girl who puts on that that white dress with the flower in her hair <laughs> at the party you know yeah. what i mean like maybe you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's concerning. And then for Lloyd, you're absolutely right. Um, kickboxing is not going to be the wave for very long. <laughs> like I have seen past 1989 <laughs> and I know it's not the wave. So, so what are you going to do, my guy? You know, like what, what makes you passionate other than Diane? Yeah. So if I'm Lloyd's parent, I'm worried by that statement as well, yeah. that he's going to make his he's going to order his life around Diane. And I think too, it just sort of, in a way it very much speaks to the era and then like how much things have changed in that, like, I don't think that we're making this, this movie in 2020 or 2022, or what have you with 19 year olds at the center of it. Right. Because I don't think 19 year olds are making these kinds of decisions and believing in the idea that like that in a sense that they have to make that decision at 19, that like they're cementing who they are, who they want to be with at 19, the way that like there's previous generations that did make those, those decisions so early. And like, it's just such a cultural shift of when adulthood truly begins. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely could not make this movie yeah. now. It would just like for a number what? of other reasons. Yeah, for a lot. Yeah, this, this, right, right, just, right. Like that sort of cultural shift feels like it's something that within the past decade or two has taken place where it's like no adulthood is not 19 you don't make those sort of concrete decisions about this type yeah. of stuff and that leave us believing like oh yeah they live happily ever after it's like no at 19 they probably in in our age they probably do just break up at the end of that song yeah. and yeah. like live their lives 
And I don't think there's the expectation either from adults, like there seemed to be from Diane's father, that right. he would have it all figured out. I mean, I'm thinking about that scene where, you know, that it's sort of like a famous monologue. He doesn't want to buy anything, sold or process or sell anything, bought and process, like that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think that's totally acceptable now. And I think that like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you order your life around your love interest, but it's like you, you do things to explore what it is that you do want to do or that, that will make you happy. Yeah. Donnie, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from Say Anything? Um, I will say it's the last kind of very uncomfortable few moments of, of the film, and I've referenced it already in our conversation. Um, but they're on the plane, they're on the way to England, and Diane is afraid to fly, is mm. the whole backstory of this. And um, he's telling her that, it's everything's going to be okay as soon as the seatbelt sign goes off. And so it's a scene of them looking up, waiting for the seatbelt sign to go off. And there's kind of this look of uncertainty on their faces. And then the movie just goes to black. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, that moment, as I said, is probably part of why I chose this film is because of, you know, um, what you think perhaps happens on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's very like provocative to think about. And it's it's similar to The Graduate. I think it's sort of a take on, on yeah. The Graduate ending, um, kind of like, what have we done kind of <laughs> moment. So I think, you know, like I, definitely that moment. And of course, I mean, I'm, I'm human, like the boombox scene, you know, like that is, is very much, is sort of the look on, John Cusack kills this role, I just have yeah. to say, like, yeah. Um, the sort of look on his face as he's holding that that boombox up was just like fantastic. Yeah. And I, I meant to say, there's one more thing I wanted to say about yeah. why I chose this movie. So a lot of people say that Almost Famous is Cameron Crowe's great music movie, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say there's an argument for Say Anything also being okay. a great music movie and not just because of what's on the soundtrack. Like I'm, I'm not a big fan of a lot of that music only in the context of this movie mm -hmm. but because of sort of the very naturalistic way that music is woven into mm -hmm. the story and the way that you see the characters experiencing music in a very relatable teenage everyday way mm -hmm. so there's the moment where on their first date, Diane gets into Lloyd's big Malibu and he cranks the engine and the music is blaring because like the radio is coming on and he's rushes to turn it down. Yeah. Or like when he's putting a, um, fixing the tape deck, which is broken by like <laughs> stuffing some paper in there to get it to like connect. Or the way that Corey who's played by Lily Taylor is sort of working out her pain and angst through like writing these songs. And I remember going through my first heartbreak and writing pages and pages of terrible poetry. Same. And so that all, just the way that the character has always got her guitar and is sort of strumming as she's talking to the characters, all of that felt very real. And, you know, in Pretty in Pink, there's scenes where they go to like a club and there's a mm -hmm. concert and that is all like very big, but this yeah. is just like small moments, you know, Lloyd wearing a fishbone t-shirt or a Clash t-shirt, like those things yeah. I just love. 
Uh, Donnie, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Michael. This is fun. Thanks for listening to Open Form, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio, produced by Eliza Smith and Justin Alvarez, and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe to Open Form wherever you get your podcasts, and or sign up for the Lit Hub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. If you're enjoying what you hear, share Open Form with a friend or on social media. Next week, somehow it just starts raining frogs. 